such a sweet song, such a sweet song. Just a sweet spirit in that song. I know you can sing it heavy, you know, you can sing it loud, but when you think about a God that loves you, a God that is there for you, just the words, precious lamb of God. Amen, 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 amen. It's, it's good to sing that and look outside and see the snow falling and <laughs> you know, it's all calm and ain't nobody in here, it's quiet. You know, you get to you get to just kinda, you know, why you love me so you know, you know, you know, you know. No, no, I'm not gonna <laughs> you know, it's good to it's good to be able to do that. Listen, the Lord, the Lord is present. The Lord is present. I wanna preach, I wanna preach today just for a few minutes. Really just really just wanna talk to you. I wanna preach today just for a few minutes from the subject titled Closing Statements. Power of closing closing statements. If you have your Bible, you will find me in the book of Acts, the seventh chapter, beginning at the 54th verse. The book of Acts, the seventh chapter, beginning at the 54th through 57th verse. Acts 7, 54 through 57. Um, When you found it in your homes, just go pluck somebody and tell them the sermon's on. It's time to get ready for the word. <laughs> you found it. Acts 7, 54 through 57. And it reads like this. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said. I see heaven open in the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. I want to preach again from the subject title, Closing Closing Statements. Pray with me. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for all that you continue to do in this season. We thank you, Lord, that you are not finished with us yet. We thank you, God, that you have a plan for each of us, that, God, you have already seen our destiny and our future. And, Lord, you are presenting things in front of us now to help us accomplish those goals. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us. We thank you, God, that you have not left us. We thank you, Lord, that you are God that can do anything except fail. Oh, God, we pray that, Lord, right here and right now, that, God, you would meet us wherever we're at. Whatever room we find ourselves, Lord, that you would send God your Holy Spirit, that you would send God your anointing, that you would send God your presence, that God, you would gather us to your throne, that we might be healed, that we might be whole, that we might see you, that we might know you more fully. And God, we covenant to give you all the honor. We covenant God to bless your holy name. We covenant God to be with you. 
for you are God and God alone. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to preach just for a minute from the subject title, Closing Statements. I don't know about you, but it is, it is phenomenal to me that we are less than 10 days away from the election, or at least the beginning of the election. I suppose that with all the early voting that we'll be waiting beyond the third to discover uh, who the actual president is, but we at least are, are 10 days, if not less, away from the beginning of that process. And probably you and your household did the same thing that Ebony and I did, where we have watched pieces of each debate. I don't know that we sat down and watched the whole of any debate. Um, there's only but so much of that you can take. <laughs> but so we watch, we watch pieces. But my favorite, my favorite part of a debate is the closing statement. My favorite part of the debate is when they say, okay, okay, candidate, you got two minutes left. Tell us what it is. Tell us your goal. Tell us your plan. You got two minutes to, left to, to put, to, 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 to put into, into, into view all that you represent. You got two minutes left to concretize your thoughts and your, pers- and, 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 and your views. Two minutes left to tell us exactly what you believe, who you are, and what you stand for. I love closing statements. They give us that final opportunity to be clear about who we are. Closing statements give us that final opportunity to be able to say with some specificity, this is what we believe. This is what we stand for. This is who we'll serve. This is what our promises are. Closing statements gives us the opportunity to clarify the vision. The reality is that often we don't get moments to be that clear. We don't get moments to to say with specificity, to say with specifics exactly what it is we believe. Instead, we spend most of our life like the rest of the debate, right? Challenging our opponent, responding to, to their attacks, right? Simply moving back and forth between topic and topic. But something changes when you have to stand flat footed and say, here's who I am. Here's what I know. Here's what I believe. That's that's what we see happening in the text with Stephen. Stephen Stephen comes out of a moment in time where the church was going crazy. I mean, listen, uh, Jesus had had died, been resurrected, uh, 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 you know, had ascended. Uh, Pentecost had came and gone and went. The Holy Spirit had been, had been moving all throughout Jerusalem, right? And, and, and the Holy Spirit was so crazy that thousands of people were coming to Christ every single day there in Jerusalem, right? So much energy was happening in Jerusalem that they were building synagogues on synagogues. They, over 300 plus synagogues have been built between Pentecost and Acts 7. It was such a time in Jerusalem where everybody was talking about the gospel. Everybody was talking about this Jesus who lives. They were seeing signs, miracles, and wonders everywhere. So much so that the apostles couldn't keep up with all the work. And so they had to elect new leaders to come and take over 
Some of the stuff that was happening, because it was happening that quick, it was happening with that much energy. And so Stephen was one of the seven that they called and elected to take over the position of handling all of the growth and the output of what was going on in Jerusalem. And so Stephen comes as a young man, and Stephen is speaking about the gospel. And the text tells us in Acts 6 that Stephen was anointed for this work. That Stephen was blessed for this work. That Stephen carried a double portion of anointing that his face shone like an angel. And and wherever Stephen went, he had a way of describing and talking about the gospel and talking about Jesus and talking about the good news in such a way that it transformed anyone he was talking to. Stephen, Stephen carried the anointing with such precision that everywhere he went, there were signs, miracles, and wonders. Stephen was a bad dude. Stephen was getting it done. He was representing Christ. He was doing it at such an elevated rate, an elevated place, that his boys, the other disciples, the other leaders, got jealous of Stephen. They got jealous of his ability to, to, to talk about God. They got jealous of his ability to be able to speak with such authority. They got jealous of his ability to be able to, to see signs and miracles happen. They got so jealous. Now, now, these are the other Jews. They got so jealous that they begin to talk bad about Stephen. They begin to lie on Stephen. They begin to say that Stephen was, was, was misrepresenting Moses' laws, that Stephen, Stephen, Stephen was calling stuff out of order, that Stephen, that Stephen was making stuff up. They, they got so bad at, at talking about Stephen and so bad at, at, at lying on Stephen that the Sanhedrin got word of it and said, we can't have this boy out here preaching the gospel and doing it in such a way that it dishonors our name. And so his fellow Jews, his fellow brethren in Christ, brought him up on charges before the Sanhedrin because they were jealous of how God was using him. And so by the time we get to Acts, the seventh chapter, Stephen is facing the entirety of the Sanhedrin. Stephen is surrounded down by these Jews, these kinsmen, these these families, folks he grew up with. Folks, he had ministered to people who he had shared the gospel with, people who he had seen miracle wonder power operate, and he's surrounded by them who once were singing the praises of God because what God was doing through him now are booing Stephen, now are calling for his crucifixion, calling for his death. And the Sanhedrin gives Stephen one opportunity to give his closing statement. One, one last opportunity to say his piece. One last moment to say what he believes in, to, 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 to admit to his wrongs, to come clean of what he's done. One last chance. And man, listen, if you ain't never read Acts, the seventh chapter, you need to read it because Stephen showed up. Stephen showed up. Stephen didn't miss a word. Stephen said, I'm not going to waste my time trying to defend myself. Instead, let me tell you about this God I serve. 
And so the entirety of Acts 7 is just Stephen laying out precept by precept. He goes back to Genesis, goes all the way up to where he's at now, just talking about this God that has never left us nor forsaken us, this God that has been with us since beginning. Stephen is giving his closing statement. Stephen is saying, this is what I believe, this is what I stand on, this is who I am. Not worried about death. I'm not distracted by your disapproval in me. I'm not concerned by by your thoughts or opinions of who I should be and what I should be doing. This is my closing statement. I'm not concerned about my next 24 hours. I could care less whether you pick up a stone or put me on a cross. Instead, this is my closing statement. I'm not worried about tomorrow. I'm not, I'm not locked up into your, into your opinions and, 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 and your thoughts on my destiny and purpose and future. Instead, this is my closing statement. Jesus and Jesus Christ crucified. Jesus and Jesus alone. This is my closing statement. If you were standing in front of the Sanhedrin today, surrounded by your kinsmen, surrounded by those who had known you, those who watched God operate in you, Those who watch God use you for greatness now, who had turned their backs on you and seeking your demise. If you were standing in Stephen's place, what would your closing statement be? What would you say about who you are? What would you say about what you believe? What would you say matters to you? If you had to give right now your closing statement, if they were surrounding and coming in, who are you in Christ? Who are you in the Lord? Who are you in your faith? Who are you in your family? Who are you in this nation? What would your closing statement be? Stephen says, Jesus and Jesus Christ crucified. By the time he's done his closing statement, they're so angry with him. They go and grab stones, and the text says, and and we'll get to this later in the sermon, the text says they take off their coats and lay them at the feet of Saul and go and grab stones and begin to stone and kill Stephen. And while they're stoning Stephen, the text says that Stephen looks up. And as he looks up, he sees an open heaven. And there in the midst of the open heaven, Stephen sees a seat, and on the seat, is God, and standing beside the seat is Jesus. Stephen is being stoned by those who don't get it. Stephen is receiving his heavenly reward because he stood on his faith and he gave his closing statement. Church, what is your closing statement? Two minutes left before commercial break, before the end of this debate, what do you say about what, do you, about, about what you believe? What do you say about who you are? What do you say about what's important to you? The world is watching lights, camera, action. What do you say about your faith? What do you say about your purpose? What do you say about your destiny? What is your closing statement? Three points and I'm done. Three points and I'm done. First point is this, it's in you. It is in you. Second point is this, 
not only is it in you, but it's not just for you. Point number two, it's not just for you. And then point number three, you're not doing it alone. Point number one, it's in you. Point number two, it's not just for you. And point number three, you're not just doing it alone. Point number one, it's in you. My wife, my wife likes tangerines. I hate tangerines. I like oranges, right? Right? I, I just, tangerines to me are bitter. I don't know. I just don't know why people eat them, right? And orange, we know an orange. You grew up eating oranges and drinking orange juice. It's, it's that familiarity. But she likes tangerines. I like oranges, right? And the reality is, is that if I'm moving too fast, Sometimes some of the tangerines she buys look like oranges. I think she's trying to set me up, y'all. Y'all pray. Y'all pray for that spirit. Right, right, right. So, 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 so I might grab by accident one of her tangerines. And it's not until I cut it open and begin to squeeze it that I realize that it's tangerine and not orange. The reality is that many of us, it's not on the outside, but it's on the inside. It's not until you cut us open and begin to squeeze us that we discover what's really inside of you, right? And so what will happen is that God will put us through positions, God will put us through conditions so that we begin to get squeezed so that we can see what's really on the inside of us. Situations come to squeeze us, to show us. That there is something greater, something deeper on the inside of us. Situations come to pressure us so that we're able to see what we really can withstand, what we really can handle situations and problems and challenges come not to destroy us, but to show us what's on the inside. Stephen didn't know that he had all that on the inside of him. He didn't know that in the moment of conflict, in the moment when the nation was at his back, when the nation was trying to attack him, that he would stand flat-footed and declare completely the word of God and God alone. He only discovered that through pressure. He discovered what had been building up on the inside of him. He discovered what he had been studying and working on. He discovered the totality of his relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, it's when you're pressured that you see what's inside of you. It's when you're pressured, when you go through challenges, that you see what you're really made of. And so don't don't get weary in well-doing. Don't get dismayed by the challenges in front of you, right? Don't be disappointed because there are two more hurdles, there are five more hurdles. Instead, see it as an opportunity that God is creating to show you more of what's inside of you. See it, see it as an opportunity for God to, to show you that you are indeed the head and not the tail. See, see the next challenge as God's opportunity to show you that you really are victorious in Jesus. See, see the next pressure that's coming as God's way of helping show you that, 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 that he is with you wherever you may go. See your challenges as God's opportunities to show you what's on the inside of you. Because the Lord is helping you to write your closing statement. 
He's helping you to see that you are victorious. You are the head of the tail. You do, in fact, hide in his provision and his fortress. You dwell on the inside. The greater is he that's in you than he that's in, this, in, in, in the world. God is using situations to show you that no weapon formed against you can prosper. God is using situations to show you that greater is he that's in you. God is using situations to show you that he loves you, that he has called you and carved you by name. God is using each situation to show you what's inside of you, to show you that he's got you, to show you that you will be victorious. It's in you. It's in you. The Lord is helping you to write your closing statement. It's in you. And how do I know? How do I know? Ask me how I know. Here's how I know. I know because all I got to do is turn around. And when I turn around and look back, what I discover is that who I thought I was back then, God showed me I'm greater and can survive more and can do more and can handle more than what I thought I was capable of. But the only way I discovered the greatness of God that was residing in me was because I had to go through some pressures and some challenges back there to help squeeze out what God is doing in me now. And that's not just my story. That's your story. When you look back over the challenges that you have gone through in your life up to this point, you didn't know how you were going to make it. You didn't know how you were going to get through those hurdles that came before you. But what you discovered was that God had placed something inside of you that was, in, that, that, that was incredible, that was indestructible, that was incomparable. God placed something inside of you that could not be defeated. God placed something inside of you that had victory laid in his belly. God placed something inside of you that could handle the challenges and the weight and the pressure you were going through. And the only way you discovered it was in the squeeze. It's in you. It's in you. You, you, you. you may not have seen nine months of government shutdown and business shutdown and pandemics and global epidemics and race riots and, and racial tension and presidents doing this and presidents doing you, 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 you may not have seen this story before, but you've seen some stories before. You, 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 you've been through some challenges before. You, you have seen us overcome some stuff before. You know that, that we always win. You know that, 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 that God never takes an L. You know that there's always victory in Jesus. You know that God, that if, 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 if you haven't won, it must not be over because God ain't done. Right? Right? We've been through this. We know the goodness of God. Right? We know the winning streak of God. And so all we have to simply do is trust them in the squeeze. Trust them in the pressure. Trust them in the process. Because he's helping us to write that closing statement. Helping us to see what's really inside of us. You get that? Number one, it's in you. It's in you. It's in you. There might be some more hurdles in front of you. So God can show you all of, all of what's in you, but it's in you. It's in you. Number two, not only is it in you, but the number two is not just for you. 
Number two is not just for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to go back to, to the book of Acts, and I just, just want to walk you up real quick um, to Acts 7, right? Acts 1, Acts 1, Jesus, Jesus comes and he's there on the mountain and he's ascending. And he says to his disciples in Acts 1, um, uh, uh, go, uh, when, stay in Jerusalem until you receive power. And when you receive power, go from Jerusalem to Judea to Sumeria to the uttermost parts, right? Right? That's what Jesus says. Last commandment he gives his disciples before he ascends. Stay until you get power. And when you get power, go from Jerusalem to Judea to Sumeria to the uttermost parts, right? That's Acts 1. Right? Acts 2, the, the, the disciples who are scared of the Roman guards and, 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 and stuff, they go and they hide in the upper room. And while they're hiding in the upper room, the text says they're on one accord. And while they're on one accord, here comes the Holy Spirit. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's Acts 2, filled with the Holy Spirit. They run down into those who are gathered there in Jerusalem, begin to talk about this God who's alive, Jesus who came back. The Holy Spirit goes out. That's Pentecost. That's Acts 2. Acts 3, Peter steps up, right? Peter begins to lead the church there in Jerusalem. He's talking about this God. Thousands are coming daily and daily and daily, right? The church is growing. That's Acts 3. Acts 4, the church continues to grow in Jerusalem. Peter, and, and they're walking. They're seeing signs, miracles, and wonders happening. Acts 4 and Acts 5, they're seeing God move there in Jerusalem. Temples and synagogues are being built. The, the Word of God is going like crazy, in Jerusalem, Acts 6, Acts 6 is going so good. It's growing so big they can't handle it all by themselves. They have to get other ministers involved. They elect the seven. Stephen is one of the seven. And Acts 7 is, is, is where we're at right now, where Stephen is on trial. I want you to see what happens in Acts 8 and Acts 7. Stephen is, is on trial. He's crucified. He's stoned by the Jews in Acts 8. Watch this. Acts 8, first verse. Acts 8, after Stephen was stoned, the disciples, the, those in the Jews there in Jerusalem scattered and took the gospel to other places. It took them seven chapters to do what God said. Christ said back in Acts 1, when you receive the Holy Spirit, go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost part. Yet, when they received the Holy Spirit, instead of going from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to the uttermost parts, they parked themselves in Jerusalem. Acts 2 through Acts 7, everything happening was happening in Jerusalem. They were building temples and synagogues. In Jerusalem, they were electing leadership to, to, to function in Jerusalem. They were, they were taking the Holy Spirit and doing signs, miracles, and wonders only in Jerusalem. But that ain't what God said. God said, take it and go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts. And yet, they had gotten comfortable in Jerusalem. They had gotten comfortable with doing it the way they wanted it comfortable building synagogues and temples that made them feel good, that matched their ethnicity, that matched their, their understanding. They had gotten comfortable electing their own leaders and just being still in this Roman system, and God never said that. God said, go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the uttermost parts. God said, move, and they went still. 
And so it took the stoning of Stephen for them to scatter and go to different places. They watched as he was on trial. They watched as a Sanhedrin murdered him. They watched as he was going through his trial. They listened to the words that Stephen was saying. And when he was done speaking, when he had given up his life for the gospel, when he had become a martyr for the gospel, they used that as the fuel to do what God said to. Here is the reality. There are some folk who are watching you. There are some folk in your life right now who God has already spoke to, who God has already told them back in Acts 1 what they ought to be doing, who God has already said to them way back years ago what they should be operating in the purpose and destiny they should be working towards, but yet they have gotten comfortable in Jerusalem. That there are some folk in your life that God has already given provision to, that God has already given dreams to, that God has already given visions to, but yet they have become comfortable in Jerusalem. And so part of the reason is you've got to go through the challenges and the hurdles that you go through is because God is using your victory to energize them to go forward in their destiny. God is using your victory. God is using your struggle. God is using this moment to catapult them into the destiny and purpose that he has for them. This, this what you're going through, isn't all for you. It is for them to see that if God can do it with you, If God can keep you, if God can protect you, if God can cover you, then there's a chance for them. There there are folk watching you to see how you handle struggle, to see how you handle strife, to see how you handle challenges. Their, Their hope and their faith is interdependent on you. And so if you stand flat-footed and give your closing arguments with courage, with, 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 with authority, in a relationship with Jesus Christ, they're looking and saying, okay, I can stand behind them. I can get with that. I can, I can run now because I watch them stand and deliver. That's what God is doing. He, 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 he's helping you write the argument by giving you pressure and challenge to show you what's really on the inside of you. But he's not doing it just for you. He's doing it because he knows there's a whole generation attached to your victory. There's a whole generation attached to your ability to be successful. He's doing it because he knows that if you get it, everybody in your family is going to get it. That's why it's so hard. That's why it's taking so much time. Your victory is connected to like a bunch of other victories that are coming. Huh? You, 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 you're going to spend all this 2021 partying for everybody else. Huh? As soon as you get it, huh? Every, everybody else around you is going to start getting it. Y'all hear me? Y'all hear me? But you got to stay connected. 
You got to write your closing statement. You got to do the things that God has called you to do, to stand flat-footed and trust him. And if you will do that, you will see God move like you have never seen God move before. Point number one, point number one, point number one, point number one. It's in you. It's in you. Point number two, not only, not only is it in you, point number two, point number two, it's not just for you. It's not just for you. And then point number three, and I'm done. Point number three, and I'm done. You don't have to do it alone. Point number one, it's in you. Point number two, it's not just for you. But then point number three, you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it alone. One of the brilliant pieces of the text there in Acts, the seventh chapter, the 54th verse, it says that while Stephen was being stoned, he did something that was familiar. While he's being stoned, he did something that I dare say he saw happen before. He saw it in the other prophets. He saw it in Elijah. He even saw it in Jesus. Elijah, when, 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 when the enemies had surrounded his home, Elijah prays uh, that God would release the eyes of his servant that he might look up and see that there are more with them than there are against them. Elijah prays there in the Old Testament that, that, that his servant would look up because he knows that if he looks up, he would see the angels surrounding the men who had tried to come and attack them. There were more angels on Elijah's side than men against him. Jesus does something very similar. He's there, Jesus, on the cross in the middle of his transition, and those beneath him are literally stabbing him and calling him names, and instead Jesus looks up. And when he looks up, he talks to his Father in heaven and says, into your arms I commend my spirit, and he gives up his spirit right there. And so here in the text, Stephen, while being stoned by those in front of him, does the same move. He looks up. And when he looks up, what he sees is an open heaven. And in that open heaven, he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. In that open heaven, forgive me, but in my imagination, he sees Jesus clapping, saying, come on, you did good. In that open heaven, he sees all of the angels readied with their bows, ready with their arrows to protect and guide him. Stephen realizes that he's not doing this alone. You are not doing this alone. There is a great cloud of witnesses. There are some elders that have gone on before you. There are some angels that God has assigned to you. The Jesus is standing at the right hand of the Father right now, arguing on your behalf. You are not alone in this. You're not. Don't get distracted looking straight in front of you. Don't get distracted because you're surrounded by some stuff. Instead, look up. And if you would just look up, what you would discover is that there are more with you than against you. If you would look up, you would discover that God has never left you nor forsaken you. If you would look up, what you would discover is that God has dispatched his angels to, us, to, to you as an assignment that you are protected and guarded 
But heaven's army, if you would look up, you would discover that Jesus is arguing on your behalf. Jesus is advocating on your behalf. If you would look up, you would discover you can handle what you're going through because you're not carrying it by yourself. Stephen, Stephen looked up. And when he looked up and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, the text says, the text says, it did not say he died. The text says he went to sleep. He went to sleep. Because when you recognize that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega is at your side, all you need to do is rest. Good family, good family. You need to have your closing statement. Because what you will find out is that, number one, God has been doing some work on the inside of you. That God is putting you in positions that are helping to, to reformulize, to crystallize, to, to concretize, to clarify the vision, to show you exactly what you're made of. Number two, you will discover it's not just for you. It's not just for you. But there's some folk who are watching you. Who are watching you to see, okay, can he handle? Can, can she handle that? Oh, okay, well, maybe if they can, I know. There's some folk who are watching that God has already spoken to way back in Acts 1 that are waiting to operate in their destiny in Acts 8 by watching you in Acts 7 go through your challenges. But you got to go through. You got to go through. And trust that God has placed you in position to keep you in this moment. And then number three, you're not alone. You're not, I know, it, I, I heard this excellent, excellent, excellent um, 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 uh, chaplain the other day, yesterday, in fact. Yeah, yesterday, yesterday, this chaplain um, um, who deals with crisis and police and, you know, just when people, you know, die in transition. Uh, you know, but, 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 but she made this point. She said, um, that we become so enmeshed, um, so close to the pain, that our perspective um, gets skewed. And people who would be just be enemies, because our perspective is so skewed, because we're so close to them, now look like monsters. And so we can't tell the difference between an enemy and a monster. We can't tell the difference between uh, a, a simple challenge and the end of the world, right? Because we're so close to it. Our perception becomes so skewed because we're so close up to it. And a lot of times, the closer you get to an object, the less you're able to see pers perceptively around it, the less you're able to see um, uh, just your size ratio and dynamics. And, and, and we can get so close to this stuff that, we, that we're unable to see that we're not alone. That's why God never says, look straight at it. God says, look up. Because no matter how close I am to it, if I look straight up, what I will discover is that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. What I will discover if I look up, regardless of how close it is to me, that I am not alone. And that the sky is bigger. God is bigger. The alpha and the omega is bigger than the very thing that I'm going through. And so God tells us that in moments of greatest conflict, church, in moments of greatest struggle, we are called to be people who look up. We are, we are the look up people, right? 
right? We are called to be people who look for hope and look for faith, who trust in a God who has never failed us, who trust in a God who is able. We have been called to look up. And if we do that, we'll get our strength back. If we do that, we'll be ready to stand flat-footed and give our closing statements. If we do that, we can stand boldly before whatever challenges may come and declare that Jesus and Jesus Christ crucified is enough. Listen, I love you. I thank God for you. I thank God for the challenges that are in front of you because I trust God enough that God will bring you through what you're going through. I thank God for the challenges you're experiencing because I know there's a whole team of folk who are watching you to watch you go through what you're going through, ready to operate in their destiny and their purpose simply by watching you. I thank God that God has never left you nor forsaken you. I thank God that right where you're at, you have the opportunity to look up and to trust in God and God alone, that you can reconnect and focus on God, that the angels have been dispatched, that God has seen your issues and seen your problems, that God is with you. I Thank God for you. I thank God for every valley that you're experiencing. I do, because I know every valley must be connected to a mountain. I do. And the deeper the valley, the higher the mountain. I thank God for your valleys. I thank God for your hurdles, because the higher the hurdle, yeah, 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 the higher the hurdle, Right, right, the shorter the run. So I thank God for your hurdles. I thank God for your challenges. I thank God that you are not alone in this season. But that God is with you. That God is with you in every single area. But you have a closing statement. You do. You do. You 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 have some word that sits in your belly. You, you, you got some stuff that has kept you up to now. In fact, you know what? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to do. I want you to take this week, and I want you to think about what is it that I have stood on? What is it that I stand on? What's, what's the scripture, or what's the song, or what's the sentence that I go back to that keeps me, that keeps me in this season? that has kept me up to now? What's the stuff that grandmom and them used to tell me? The stuff I lean on when things get hard. There's a closing statement inside of you. God's going to show it to you this week. This week, in this season. I want you to write it down when you get it. I want you to keep it when you get it. I want you to trust in God and know that we will make it through this storm. Let's pray. God, I thank you right now that you are a God that can do nothing but fail. I thank you, God, for our closing statements, Lord, that we can stand flat-footed, Lord, and declare and decree that you are God and God alone, that we can trust in you, God, Lord, you can do nothing but f except fail, Lord. 
that, God, you are Lord over our lives. God, I pray for our camper family this week. I pray, God, for every member and every friend of the church, that, Lord, you would again dispatch your angels, that, God, that there would be signs, miracles, and wonders, Lord, in their life, God, in their homes, God, in their families, God. I pray for deliverance, God. I pray for victory, God. I pray, Lord, for rest and for peace, God. That, God, you would bless them, Lord. That it would be their portion in this season. Oh, God, do a new thing, God. Do a new thing, God. Send fresh revelation, God. In the name of Jesus Christ itself. This we pray in Jesus' name. The people of God said amen, amen, and amen. Listen, if you need prayer, don't forget to call that number. That's on your screen. If you want to join, if you want to be connected, call, call that number. And don't forget to go to our website this week for the pumpkin challenge. Starts at 5 p.m. today. Make sure you vote. Vote for the pumpkin challenge. And then we'll see you tonight online, 6 p.m. We're going to work out together, church. Come on, careforconnects.com. We're going to work out. We're going to work out together. I'm doing kind of the, uh, uh, what's it called? The um, uh, uh, lecture slide. Yeah, we're going to work out together. Come, come online tonight. We're going to do it together. Huh? Huh? Come on. Come on tonight. We're going to work out online tonight. And then we'll see you on Thursday for Bible study. I love you. I thank God for you. And I'm excited about this season for you. I really am. God bless you.